Are you a hybrid athlete who wants to learn more about how to combine your strength and endurance training? Well, I've written a new book, The Science of Hybrid Training. In this book, I provide insight into the misconceptions surrounding strength and endurance training by distilling the past 50 years of research and drawing on the conversations I had with great scientists, coaches, and athletes on the Progress Theory podcast. This book is essential reading for hybrid athletes and coaches who are looking to understand the key training variables and their effect on the simultaneous development of strength and endurance performance. Get your copy now, available to buy from Amazon. Now, let's get into the show. Hello and welcome to The Progress Theory, where we discuss how to implement scientific principles to optimize human performance. I am Dr. Phil Price, and here is another episode of The Performance Review. I wanted to go over a few more aspects of my training, which I feel needed more discussion, and which I feel has greatly helped me over the last seven weeks. So just to recap, I will be attempting my first half Iron Triathlon at Hever Castle at the Festival Endurance hosted by Castle Triathlon. That is a 1.9 kilometer swim, 90k bike and a half marathon run. I'm relatively new to the sport of triathlon and I don't have a huge endurance background, but this is a great start into what will be a learning experience into the science behind being a hybrid athlete, i.e. developing strength and endurance simultaneously. So for this performance review episode, I wanted to focus on a few programmer decisions. This is the rationale behind certain methods I've used, and also why I didn't do certain tests, but intend to in the future. Ultimately, this isn't an eight-week training program, and then I'm finished. I want to continue to push and develop as a hybrid athlete for years to come, so decisions I make early on here are very important. So the three topics I will cover in this performance review are the three-minute all-out test and why I'm saving that for later, programming volume and intensity for eight weeks, and why performing is a skill and should be included in your program. So first of all, why didn't I do the three-minute all-out test? On one of our recent Progress Theory podcasts, we chatted with SNC coach Christian Vasalo and his work and research on the three-minute all-out test and its use in programming. It's an awesome episode, and I recommend all of our listeners to check it out as the three-minute all-out test is horrible to do, but it's easy to implement, and the amount of information you gain on your current physical capabilities is incredible. So as a short overview, the three-minute all-out test provides you with your critical speed, if you're running, or critical power if you're cycling or rowing, for example. This is the speed or power you theoretically can maintain for a long duration based on your aerobic and anaerobic capacity. You can train above this speed. However, at this speed, you'll have a limited resource to be able to maintain that speed. Think of it like a, the battery life on your phone. The higher you venture above the speed, the more limited your capacity is to maintain that speed. With this knowledge, you can program training at different intensities because you know how much battery life you have at certain speeds and power outputs. And you can also use this information to predict race performance. So if this test provides you with so much valuable information, why haven't I done it for my training leading up to the half iron? Put simply, I'm working my way up to it. The three-minute all-out test is still a maximal intensity effort, and due to entering a new sport, I felt I was not ready and in the right physical condition to do it. Firstly, this is from an injury perspective. After injuring my soleus during the marathon just before Christmas and in 2020, the muscle tissue does have a tendency to restrain itself. So the biggest predictor of injury is previous injury and all that. And I still have a bit of work to do on this issue. 
and appropriately increasing the volume of running along with an appropriate strength training will help this. However, doing a test where I have to maximally sprint when the muscle tissue isn't ready to handle that type of load isn't exactly smart. Think about it this way. If someone was new in the weight room, would you get them doing a one round squat? If you're smart, you wouldn't. If they're new to training or coming back from injury, they're likely going to improve in the squat if the program is appropriate, regardless of what their one round squat is. This is the same situation with my running. Now, you could also argue why didn't I do the three-minute all-out test for my cycling. That decision was based on knowing what the main focus of my training program was, the efficiency of the skill. I am new to road bikes, and I'm still learning how to perform the skill, especially on the hills. It is so easy for me to revert to that pushing motion on the, on the pedals rather than producing force throughout the whole cycle. Therefore, if I had done the three-minute all-out test at the beginning of the eight weeks, I would have done it with a shoddy technique. How valuable do you think that data would be for me? If my skill improves a lot in three weeks, all of a sudden I'm programming training based on numbers achieved during a test when my technique was considerably worse. These are all decisions a lot of coaches have to make when working with a new client or working with someone that is working with a new goal. Testing is great when applied appropriately, and this time for me, I thought it was better to work with the RPEs, the ratings of perceived exertions, as I can subjectively judge intensity for sessions and give me time to perfect the skills I'm working on. It would be harder for me to eliminate the junk miles if I'm so focused on hitting certain speeds and power outputs. However, once I'm more proficient at the skill of cycling and running, which I'm hoping is after this half Ironman, then I will definitely be doing the three-minute all-out test. With a more proficient skill base, I'll be able to push myself to hit certain intensities based on my current physiological capabilities and hopefully use more precise training to improve physiologically. Secondly, I wanted to discuss how volume intensity of training changes over the eight-week program. Eight weeks is an interesting length of time because it is short enough to have it as one mesocycle with programs slowly and appropriately. People often see a mesocycle as a block of training usually with the training load or intensity increasing, followed by a deload. The bog standard approach, which you often see in textbooks, is three weeks of increase in intensity, followed by one week of deload. This approach is fine if you have a good duration of time, because you can structure many of these mesocycles one after the other, which is common in the off-season for certain sports. However, mesocycles don't have to be four weeks long, and eight weeks is short enough to maintain an increase in volume or intensity over five to seven weeks, say, before tapering off. Any longer say like you did it for 12 weeks, you run the risk of just continually pushing to the point where the risk of injury becomes greater because you push for too long without appropriately deloading. This was shown quite well by the work of Professor Robert Hickson, whose seminal work on concurrent training showed both strength and endurance could be improved together. However, at the seven-week mark, if you look in his papers, participants reached a peak performance of around seven weeks and then started to decrease in subsequent weeks. This is clearly the time when you need to add in a deload or to aid recovery. Or to avoid this dip, you start tapering off with the aim to peak around eight weeks. It is this strategy that I have taken with my programming for this half Ironman. If I had longer, 12 weeks or 16 weeks, I definitely would have deloaded earlier. So to conclude this particular section on program, I just want to highlight the importance of knowing how long you're programming for. You'll be able to push and program for certain adaptations differently depending on the length of the program. An eight-week program or a 12-week program may have the same goal, but how you get there will be different. And the common error is pushing too much for too long. 
You can get away with it for an eight-week program. A 12-week program, not so much. So with this in mind, volume and intensity is structured as followed in my program. Let's start with volume. The volume of training increased slowly, with its peak reached at the weekend of week five. On this particular weekend, the swim, cycle and run distances were covered were similar to the event itself, except we covered them over the entire weekend rather than one after the other like you'd expect in a race. From here, the volume started to go down, but slowly, and this was to accommodate more of the brick sessions being performed at and around race pace, i.e. the amount of higher intensity work was increasing. Intensity slowly increased from the start all the way to around week seven, a very linear progression in this case. This is mostly because running and cycling and swimming was becoming easier, I was becoming more proficient at the skill, becoming more efficient. So by week seven, I was performing higher speeds at a similar RPE to week one. Uh, and for anyone who wants to recap what uh, ratings of perceived exertions are, please go back and download and listen to Performance Review 1. The weekend of week seven includes a recce of the race course and a brick session. The bike and run legs of the half iron will consist of two laps each. So for the bike, it's 45 kilometer loop and the run is a 10.6 kilometer loop. The aim of the end of the week seven is to perform one loop of each as a brick session at our estimated race pace. So we can get a proper feel of the course and see where we're at before we taper off for the week leading up to the event. This neatly segues into my final point, which discusses performance practice as a skill. For someone that is new to a sport, there are a lot of new skills which needs practicing. It isn't all about how cardiovascularly, if that's a word, cardiovascularly fit and efficient you can get at all three disciplines. Sure, they're likely the most important components, but competing consists of a number of logistical and mental skills which you need to get comfortable with. Because of this, the following was included in the eight-week program. A competitive Olympic distance triathlon on the weekend of week four. A perfect opportunity in this case to be more comfortable competing alongside others, finding your food and water strategies, and making sure everything is set up correctly to ensure a quick transition. Also include the aforementioned brick session at the weekend of week seven. Using the actual course it gives you a chance to practice and become more familiar with the course, determine your RPE for race pace on the actual course, and just to see how far you've come during the past seven weeks. Now, people often only want to compete if they're in the best shape or have trained for it, but competing can be used as part of the training program. Use competitions effectively, specifically outlining which goals you personally want to achieve or what you want to find out about yourself. During the Olympic distance triathlon, my focus was on getting used to the new bike setup, which in this case was all wrong, so it's best I find out that early. Determine an RPE for a run uh, at a specific race pace, post swim and bike, and plan out my transition strategy, which again, needed a lot of work. Now, without this competition, I would not be able to find this information out. It made me a better athlete. I learned more than if I had just gone through the miles out of competition over the weekend. So stop comparing yourself to others, list what you need to know about yourself and see if you can utilize a competition effectively to find the information to help you train and become a better athlete. So just to summarize, I'll be doing the three minute all out test in the near future and using it to make programmer decisions. However, as I'm new to the sport and coming back from a calf injury or slayer injury, it is best I leave the more intense form of testing for when I am ready. An eight-week training program can be seen as its own mesocycle. 
You can push the volume and intensity for longer than three weeks before deloading. However, if you're programming for longer than eight weeks, this may not be appropriate. The length of the program will hugely determine how you structure your program. And finally, practice competing. Structure into your training. Make specific goals so you can learn about yourself. Training competitions are a great opportunity for this. Anyways, I hope you enjoyed this episode and found this information helpful for your own training. I plan on doing many more of these, so please subscribe to The Progress Theory so you get all of our episodes downloaded straight to your phone when they are released. Please follow at The Progress Theory on Instagram and YouTube. Leave a comment or share us on your story. We really appreciate the help as we grow the channel. You can also find me on Instagram at Dr. Phil Price as I document all my training. We'll see you in the next episode.